Blog Talk Radio. ABS Media You're listening Dennis. to Free on the Inside and weekly on that program to encourage you, to strengthen you, and to challenge you to be all you could be. You're just listening to another ABS great episode Media of Free Dennis. on the Inside, an internet program to encourage you, to challenge you, to be all you could be. You just listened to another great episode of Free on the ABS Inside, Media by Granny's Place Ministry. Granny's Place Ministry is a non-profit ministry that is striving to meet the needs of our young men and women at risk. Granny Place Ministry CEO is Beverly Beasley. You can find out more information about Granny Place Ministry by going to grannyplaceministry.org. You're listening to Free on the Inside and Weekly on that program, too. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, good evening, Blog Talk listeners. Thank you for joining us this Tuesday night, May the 11th, 2017. I hope you've had a wonderful day. God has been truly good to us today, and we want to welcome you to the Letter House Bible Enrichment Hour, hosted by Granny's Place. We are a um, nonprofit organization that's out to outreach and help others as they go along in their daily life. Uh, we are here every Tuesday night for the Enrichment Hour. Uh, the Ladder House is a people predestined to restore virtue in a society bearing a spiritual and moral excellence through a message of the gospel of the kingdom of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It is our endless desire to join a diverse generation for the purpose of connecting and developing other champions. In a technological advanced society, we deliberately create platforms, special events, seminars, conventions, and fellowships in which the wounded and unusually gifted can find aid and a place of appreciation. Our aim is to continuously create an environment of love, unity, faith, and victory in which all can discover the champion within. We invite you to be a part of our important project Prayerfully consider partnering with us as we build the platform where the nature of God can freely be experienced and expressed by all. Predestined to serve, to restore. That comes from Dr. Shelton Carter, founder and national director. Uh, we want to give a shout out tonight to all our partners, uh, the First Free Will Baptist Church. Uh, Dr. Richard Cherry is the uh, pastor of that church. And also we want to give a shout-out to my pastor, Elder Michael Morgan, Sr. of the Shady Grove Primitive Church. And I see we have um, our Letter House family coming on the line. So if Sister Amber is ready, the floor is open to you. Happy Tuesday to you. I'm ready. Thank you very much. All right. Go ahead. 
Of course, as you know, this is Bible Enrichment Hour here, and this is the Ladder House Network. Um, we're here every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as well as 8.30 Central Standard Time. That's 9.30 Eastern Standard Time for all you people on the East Coast. Do we have anyone who's calling already that would like to say hello and say where you're calling from? Hello, hello, hello. This is Shanine calling from El Segundo, California. Hello, Shanine. Is there anyone else who would like to say where they're calling from? Hi, Amber. This is Chanel from Los Angeles. How are you doing tonight? I'm awesome. Thanks for asking, Chanel. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm going to give a shout-out to the family. Uh, Thank God for everybody coming on tonight. And I just wanted to say uh, I'm so happy to be here with you tonight. God has been good. I've had a great day. Uh, It's been long, but show. (laughs) And uh, it's just been marvelous today. So I thank God for you and for everybody on the line. Oh, thank you. God bless you. You know, it's always a pleasure to be in the presence, whether it's physical presence or on the phone or, or online with family. It's, it's always a pleasure. Just, you know, the, the latter half, you people are just the most friendliest, welcoming people that I've ever met. You know, you can feel free to join us. As you know, this Resurrection Sunday is coming up this week, and so we have a special service planned um, at 1745 West Vernon Avenue. Um, at 11.30, Sister Shanine or Sister Chanel, would you like to talk about the festivities or, or what's going on or the theme of the message for this Sunday? Hi, Amber. This is Chanel. Uh, this Sunday is Celebration Sunday. We in the Latin House is in uh, Dr. Sheldon Carter has been talking about our transformation, um, how we're going from one stage to the next. And so for Transformation Sunday, we have T-shirts. Um, we did a rehearsal at some um that will be singing and bringing on Sunday. We will be having Easter baskets. There will be an Easter dinner. Um, and I think in the morning we start out passing coffee uh, to the neighborhood. So it's going to be packed. Of course, we're going to have the word of God from our pastor and overseer. So I'm just excited about what God is doing uh, this Sunday, and I just encourage everyone uh, who will be in the L.A. area to come out and visit. Amen? Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Sister Chanel. As a matter of fact, Chanel sent me a Bible scripture today, and I am going to share that with you guys. Um, You know, as we speak about this process of transformation and transfiguration, First, let me give you guys a definition of that. I believe that we are all going through a a process of transformation and transfiguration. And I was just really just taken aback with the the definition. So transfiguration, of course, is a noun, the complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. And transformation is a similar definition a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. And I'm just super excited for what is to come. And, you know, as you're going through the process of transformation and transfiguration, sometimes we experience some times that are 
that what we would think would be adversity, but actually what actually is, is happening is that we are being transformed. This goes right along with a scripture that was sent to me today. And it's a Bible verse for times of adversity. You know, we all experience time of adversity in our lifetime. As the saying goes, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Turn to God and his word during times of adversity for strength and comfort. When we put our faith in him, he will help guide us to the path of happiness and peace. And the scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I don't know details about what anyone is experiencing right now, but as I do understand that this is a time of transformation and transfiguration, not just in our own personal lives, but it's a time of transformation in our government. It's a time of transformation in religion churches, just everything, like systems are being broken down now and things are changing. I believe that things are happening for the better. So I just want to encourage everyone to not get frustrated when it may seem as if, you know, adversity is trying you. Or even honestly, I was thinking, this is totally off the wall, but I was thinking today, there's a very famous rapper who shall remain nameless, and he has a song called Public Service Announcement. And he starts off the song with, allow me to reintroduce myself. I really believe that a lot of us are being transformed and transfigured. And we're going to, so when people try to confront us, when old habits try to confront us, when adversity tries to confront us to remind us of who we used to be, we're going to be able to send our own public service announcement of allow me to reintroduce myself. So I was listening to that today. I know that it has nothing to do with church, but I just felt like that was so on time with what's going on. And I'd like to thank Sister Chanel for, um, for the scripture. Um, we had a wonderful time on in Bible Enrichment Hour last week. Um, apparently, we, we started talking about a um, current event, and we somewhat um, got off topic, but it was a very powerful word. If there's anyone who was blessed by the word last week, um, would, you be welcome, would you be open to giving us a recap of what took place last Tuesday and also just possibly give us some takeaways or how it inspired you in your everyday life. I guess not. Is there anyone there who wants to share? Okay. All right. even, um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, uh, well, thank you just for that reminder. It, the, the sharing I have this evening doesn't—I mean, you know—I understand the, the question posed was is about the the word given last week, but in in viewing the the notes and the things that I've been able to take, it, it's just an ongoing, ever evolving process of of self help self help things that I'm uh, nuggets that I'm being able to pull away from it, just reminding me to um, take the vision or take my eyes off of myself and be more concerned about what's going on with my brother and, and being concerned about the love and the things that I, I need to uh, improve on in the way I treat others. I mean, part of the, the transfiguration that's going on with me personally is just being able to um, not just hear the word, but be able to do the word and being able to take the many different things that I've learned through the many years of being able to be under such great teaching and anointing and manifesting some things and, and getting 
up and being about doing something right, wrong, or indifferent going forward. If 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 you fall, you fall. Get up, brush yourself off, and, and move forward. Be in motion. Be productive or be striving to move towards the things in which God has called um, me personally to do and understanding that I've, I've been, I've experienced restoration. I've experienced the, you know, the combination of things that have gone on with my family that I thought were very uh, uh, tumultuous, and then coming around and finding the the love and the connection and the ability to plug in and understand our connection as a family and the strong points, not not negating the various different things that that each individual brings. My mom, my sister, my children, and those just that that immediate family, but understanding the strong points and being able as a collective unit to work together, which spills over into what's going on at the latter house and the various different areas in which we're being able to work and grow and understanding the various different strengths and the things that we have in the body, plugging into each other, understanding the hands, the the, the feet, the nails, the, the various different gifts that we have and the necessity and the beauty of all of them. That's part of my understanding of transfiguring just embodying the beauty of the change, embodying the beauty of the the experience and enjoying the journey, enjoying the, the, the lessons we are taught, enjoying the correction that I'm given and just embracing it and wanting to be better because understanding that each level there's a different type of chance figuring that goes on. Um, Dr. Carl always talks to us about, you know, you move from faith to faith and glory to glory, and each level there's other um, unpeeling, other revealing, other gifts and things that are being brought forth or being able to be utilized or released to be used, and the beauty of that is amazing. So I'm just excited and and thanking God for just um, the sight and being able to um, understand and, and embrace every avenue and every uh, uh, enjoying the journey, enjoying the journey. Beautifully said. Have we had anyone else join us on the call since we last had our, our, our roll call? Is there anyone, any new callers to line if you would like to call and announce who you are, where you're calling from, and also feel free to to give any takeaways from last week's message from here on Bible Enrichment Hour. That'll be awesome. Well, as you know, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Our Ladder House. Again, that's Our Ladder House. And as beautiful things are manifesting, we've had some upgrades here at Ladder House. So this week was the first week of our using our new tele, telephone line, the conference line. We implemented that on Monday. That new telephone number is 605-475-4730. Again, that's 605-475-4730. And the PIN number, excuse me, the PIN number is 937-429. Again, 937-429. And you can email us at thelhwork at gmail.com. Again, that's thelhwork at gmail.com. Feel free to share any testimonies and prayer requests there as well. So I found, I was looking for a few icebreakers. I haven't got permission on this, but I have a... um, Something I read online I thought was kind of funny. Um, I'm going to read it. I'm sorry. It's about an 80-year-old woman getting married for the fourth time. She's an 80-year-old woman who was recently married to her fourth husband. A reporter questioned the occupation of her newly acquired husband. She replied that he owned a funeral home. Curious about the other husbands, the reporter also asked about their occupation. The woman paused for a while and stated that her first husband was a banker. 
The second one she was madly in love with, and he was a circus master. The third one was a minister. Postal buyer answered. He replied, none of these people have anything in common. Why did you marry these? She stated that she married number one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. And, um, okay, Amber, <laughs> <she's so far. laughs> uh-uh. that is hilarious. Okay, you made it. Okay. So, do I, do I need, do, I, do we need to have some corny jokes to get people to come out of the woodworks and, <laughs> and, and to participate? Sister C, were you on the line last Tuesday? And yes, I apologize, because I didn't. I, I came on as you were giving your uh, the, I guess what seven or eight reasons, and I didn't hear the re. I didn't hear what they were for, and so some of the responses I never did hear the questions. So okay, and then when I I thought I heard my name, and I wasn't for sure, so I. Text uh, Chanel, not Chanel, uh, Celine. She's like, yes. I was like, did you call me out? <laughs> so, Let's see. Uh, let I, let I, me I, find out you making greens while you're on the call. And you know what? And I, <laughs> I am. I'm making greens, beans, tomatoes, potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> and I am doing some. Uh, other stuff, so I was trying to be quiet, but you know, you really, you know, if for those of you who know me, you know, I have a sense of humor, so when you went on that route, you know, I just could not keep quiet, and I must say, even within that, tonight, I was uh, out and about, and it kind of had something to do, I guess, with some of last week, being able to communicate and reach out to others as you are out and about, just giving a smile, and being able to uh, communicate, and I met a young lady uh, tonight uh, in a okay, uh, uh, <clears throat> and <laughs> she was her name was Mary so I got a chance to get, introduce me introduce ourselves to each other and she talked pretty much as much as I and you know we just got a chance to just even uh, communicate and, and I think that is one of the most important things that in this mission in this journey is for us to be able to embrace each other and just to and communicate you never know where that leads to, even if it's not there. Like, we didn't get into a spiritual um, conversation or anything, but just get into a general conversation, just get into a conversation of being able to communicate. We end up exchanging numbers. So you never know where that leads as far as ministry or those type of things. So, if, you know, on the conversation from last week, how you out a bit, I guess, like a missionary or how you present yourself, how you carry yourself, or you carry yourself in a godly way to whatever it is that you have, is it so shiny that others want it? You know, at the end of the day, if our lives are not exhibiting what it is that others want, I mean, because I see some of our Christian sisters and brothers, excuse me, and I don't want nothing that they have as far as what they, when they uh, talk about uh, God is so merciful, and I'm looking at their lifestyles, and I'm thinking, well, okay. Then I turn around and look at the world, and I'm like, to make a choice, uh, any, meeny, miny, mo, we ain't even going to stop at any, uh, meeny, uh, any of that. 
because it's definitely, you know, when you're looking at our lifestyle. So we, ourselves, it comes back to what we're speaking over ourselves, how we're carrying ourselves, what we're doing with what God is giving us, or we living above our means so that we have to be not be able to uh, uh, be able to give or to help out or to show how good God's mercy and grace is because God is good. He is awesome. His mercy endures forever. And he is just always pouring into our lives, but are we giving it away? Are we, what are we doing with what he's giving us? Are we taking, uh, are we listening to him to be able to go to those next steps of uh, of what the world or whoever However, those that look at success, our perception of what things are. And what we are looking at and hearing from those who are, uh, are we helping out our sisters and brothers that are having a situation, that are being uh, in homeless situations, or are we even going out to try to feed somebody? You know, at one while, uh, it, it was at a place where I was like, if I can, some chicken places were having these specials, uh, one, a 99-cent chicken meal. And you go and you working every day and you got ten, twenty dollars in your pocket and you stop at the store at the place and get a ninety nine cents chicken meal and you see somebody stand on the corner with a a, a sign saying, I work for food. Hello. Uh yeah. can you buy two chicken meals? Ninety nine cents? Yeah. Okay. And, and give a meal away. If all of us thought like that, if all of us could buy one meal, everybody would eat. And that was just some of the things on that conversation for last uh, week, because I, I came in on the end, and I don't know even if this has anything to do with it, but us being able to let our light so shine that someone will want what we have. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. Okay. okay, Amber. <laughs> well, Amen. that actually, that, that has a lot to do with what we did discuss last week. Um, and about, you know, pretty much the question was about how we can step out and, and, you know, what pretty much some, how can we work with the secular world? And Pastor made a, a very great point that the secular world doesn't even exist. That's something that we created, talking <laughs> about the separation. And that is the one thing that I really loved about Ladder House. You know, when I came here, it was a very, I had a very interesting situation going on. But I saw people who recognized my situation and understood were very, very helpful. And I actually was having a conversation with my sister, Shanine, um, about that today. You know, um, once before, I acknowledged the fact that I was very judgmental until I experienced some things in life. But she was speaking about how we shouldn't be judgmental and how we are able to help other people because of our our knowledge or experience in a situation. And I believe that that is what the church is for, and that's what God's people are for. So you did make a very valid point. Thank amen, you for sharing. Amen. <laughs> amen. Wonderful. Uh, I believe Dr. Carter is on the line now, and I believe he is ready to take the floor. Dr. Carter? Good evening. Good evening. Amen. Uh, this is. A, can you hear me? Very well. Very well. Good. All right. I got a very well on tonight. Amen. Well, that very well works well with me. Amen. Amen. Um, it's uh, good to be on tonight and to be able to share, uh, people of God, um, the inspirations that the Spirit of the Lord gives us 
to share with the people of God, um, just to be elected, to be called upon to do such a thing is um, such a humbling thing, um, especially when you're sharing, you know, uh, life-giving uh, information and you're watching people change because of the information for the better and you're watching lives change for the better. You're watching people become better. You know, that is a great reward for any man or woman uh, of God. It, it is a great reward to see the change and people, you know, actually receiving the word of God to hear people excited about the word of God, talking about the word of God. Um, it's awesome when you walk into a sanctuary and you don't have to push people to worship God. And people just bless the Lord. Amen. Irregardless of what's going on or what's happening. And that's a blessing. Amen. That's a that's a, a huge blessing, amen, that we are receiving. I want you all, amen, tonight to turn back again to Matthew 17, amen, and where we uh, have been speaking according to the systematic theme that God has given us relates to not only chronicling, but informing and instructing us through the chronicles. When I say chronicles, I'm talking about the information that he is tutoring us through, amen, in this season, as it relates to the description of the season that we call uh, a transfiguring moment, transfiguring moment, um, where God is transfiguring us. And when we say that God is transfiguring us, matter of fact, this is our theme um, at the local church in Los Angeles for um, Resurrection Sunday, is transfiguration. Um, believing that we are literally metamorphosizing and changing forms, and the form that we're changing into is, amen, a perfect fitting form for God's usage in this season of our life, that God is not just shaping us to change us so that we will be different from our former lives, but God is literally shaping you so that he can place you, put you, and use you, amen, in this season for his glory. So if you got <laughs> sitting around on your mind, then I'm not talking to you. But I'm talking to people tonight, amen, that God is changing you, shaping you, readjusting you for his usage. And so I thank God tonight, amen, uh, for the revelation that he's given to us to share and to let people know that there is a, a fresh anointing that's hitting your life. And it's an anointing that's changing you, amen, for the better, so that God could get more usage out of you, amen, and therefore return more blessing upon you. Because the more you have the privilege to obey God, the more or the greater the blessing is. And so God is putting you in a position to receive a greater harvest. And somebody should just take the time out to give the Lord praise right there for that, if you believe Amen. I believe the word of God tonight that God is preparing you for a greater harvest, a greater harvest, a greater harvest. God is preparing me for a greater harvest. Amen. A greater harvest. Anybody on tonight? I need somebody to stay unlit so I could uh, know that I'm not speaking to air tonight. Amen. And so. Matthew 17, and please respond appropriately, amen, not just to let me know that you're on. 
Matthew 17, verse number one, it reads, it says, Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three, here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. They, when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and they were greatly, amen, afraid. Uh, if you were in church, I'd make you turn to your neighbor and I'd have you tell your neighbor, I hear something. Amen. I hear something. I'm hearing something. And I'm hearing something different than just normal or nominal voices. I'm hearing something that's greater, amen, than a tangible uh, voice that is coming, amen, from a physical being. But I'm hearing something inwardly, amen. I'm hearing something that is evident in product, amen, of the glory of God that is coming my way, amen. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more sharper in the spirit. I'm a little more keener. I'm, I'm a little more discerning. Uh, I'm a little more uh, informative. And, and if you if you uh, can be quite honest about it, you're actually recognizing that you're a little wiser than you were yesterday. Um, and that's a product that the fact you are hearing something. Amen. Is there anybody out there that is hearing something that is not coming from man, but that is coming from a, a, a higher place? The Bible says that this out of this cloud that had overshadowed the disciples, that there was this voice that came out, and this voice that came out of there spoke, of course, concerning Jesus, which gave the disciples a reasonable explanation for for this man, okay? The voice itself was descriptive, but in order for them to receive this level of information, there had to be some level of grace that gave the disciples the ability to interpret they heard. <sighs> interpret. And so there's a spirit of interpretation that's coming upon the disciples in where they are now able to receive on levels that they could not receive until this thing happened in Jesus that got off onto them that caused them to be something different than what they were yesterday because of the voice they are hearing now based upon their positioning in Christ at that time. Notice he said that he took by by themselves three of the disciples as to say, and in one translation he said he took meaning that he made a distinction, a separation amongst the disciples. And I tell you now that everybody that gallops in church is not a disciple. Everybody that claims the name of Jesus is not a disciple. 
A disciple mm-hmm. is a disciplined follower who is continuous and, and consistent in their belief as it relates to the conviction of the mission. And they stay tied to the mission, amen, even when the, the person of the, of the mission is out of view because true disciples are more mission-minded, more mission-minded than they are residential habitual people. And when I say residential folks, I'm talking about folk that have made church their residence. It's a place they, they, they lived for the last 30 years. It was their pew. It was their song. It was their everything. The whole ministry's purpose was the house. When the reality is the, 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 the ministry should never be about the place, but the ministry should be about the mission. And the place should just be a place to facilitate the mission. And that's why you wire your place of ministry form-fitting according to your mission, and which means that you got to understand and know what your mission is. But you're never going to know what your mission is, amen, unless you get close enough to the cloud. Amen. If you don't get close enough to the glory, you won't hear him say anything and so when God is trying to speak to you and give you description and give you understanding, you can't receive it because you're not getting the understanding or he's not feeding or fueling you like he used to. He's not feeding you like you used to. He, he, he's, not, he, he's not doing it the way he once did. But now he is requiring that you come up now in the spirit and that you develop some level of maturity and sharpen as well as circumcise your ear so that you can hear the spirit speak and stop being drawn and dependent up on flesh to always make you feel better. Amen. How do you know you're being shapen? You know that you're being shapen, amen, because one is there was a time even doing your Christian walk, and you'd be surprised how many Christians do this, even some of the astute, some of the that, that are highly recognizable. It's the moment life hit them. They become prone to the affection of men for survival not realizing that they're obligating themselves not only to that affection, but to that deed. And that deed now has held them hostage for the last 30 years because somebody was there for you in the middle of a mess 20 years ago. And that spirit of control and witchcraft and dominance is over your life. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. That's under the sound of my voice at this moment, and you need to hear me. That you become obligated to a voice, and it was not even a higher voice. It wasn't a voice that came out of glory. It was a voice that came out of its need. It was their need to be there for you. It was their need to hold somebody captive to, 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 their, to their deed done. It was their need more than it was your need. And I understand you were the one that needed to help, but they needed to help you more than you needed to be helped. Trust and believe that. That's why to this day they still remind you that they helped you. Now, they may not be saying it, but their disposition is reminding you, hey, that I helped you one day. And now you have to be, you have to be obligated, amen, to my help that I offered you 
because, again, you were so used to running to flesh, survival, running to flesh for your rescue. And I understand people go through life, and when people go through life, everybody spells relief a little bit different than the other. The way you spell relief may not be the way I spell relief. We all spell relief a little bit different. Amen. But there should come a time in our maturity that we all come to the commonality that for Christ I'll live and for Christ I'll die, which means that I will no longer make my decision, especially life decisions, out of my flesh and definitely not out of my pain. Definitely not out of my absence. Definitely not. Because, again, if you make those decisions based on uh, based upon your absence, you are, pre- you are limiting yourself, amen, from the attendance of the supply that God is trying to give to you because you keep filling your void with illegal voices. Okay. You call your friend every single day for advice like she the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, help me in here. And what you're doing is not, you're handicapped. And not only are you handicapped, you're handicapping somebody else and keeping them from coming to the next level in glory. That's why the 12 didn't make it because nine of them still needed something else to make them feel better. But there was three that one day that proved themselves before they got to this moment in Matthew 17 there was another moment, amen, in Mark chapter 1 in the first year of Jesus' ministry where the Bible says he separated himself way before daylight and he went up into the mountains and there he prayed. And it was obviously a regular activity of Jesus to go to a higher level whenever he was looking for information, direction, or the inspiration for the next move in life. Notice what he did not do. He did not call everybody in town, disciple together, and ask them what did he th- what did they think. The Bible says he got away by himself, and he sought the Lord before he could be polluted with somebody else's opinion. Mm-hmm. And some of you all are hearing the Lord, but because you're not familiar with hearing him on this level, you're you're making subtle mistakes in your Christian journey mm-hmm. in this last year because you were a little more presumptuous than you thought you were. And you thought you were hearing, but you were still presumptuous because you had the Holy Ghost, but you had not surrendered your real need, and your real need had not been under the control or the authority of the Holy Spirit. And so now the Holy Spirit can't direct you into all truth, all understanding, all wisdom, all peace. The Holy Spirit can't supply you that which you need, amen, because you leave a little space for quick fix because quick fix has been the answer. But if it dies quick, remember, quick death is not the real enemy. Real enemies, you can't kill quick. David killed the lions and the bear really quick. Matter of fact, he knocked Goliath out with a rock and a rag, one swing, and it was over. But the lion, the bear, was not the issue, nor Goliath. The real issue was Saul. And Saul, he could not kill because Saul was the king and David respected the principle. David respected the anointing. David respected God enough not to touch God's anointed. And so even when David could kill him, David did not take king him because David knew the danger in touching God's anointed. 
and he respected the principle so much. And these are, these, are, these are information that we have to own, amen, because what happens is we start learning a little more scripture than we knew the other day, but we're learning more scripture, but we are violating the word. And the reason we're learning more scripture and violating the word is because we are leaning on the scripture to make us feel better. But, honey, if you allow the word of God to, to, to come to you and renew your mind, change your mind so it can change your habits and change who you are and transfigure you, then we won't, you won't be looking to feel good. You will be good. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? You you won't look you won't look, you won't look for somebody to make you feel good. You will be good, and you'll be so good that you just are good. Which means that good is not a feeling for you, but something bad is a feeling to you. And the bad feeling is a irregular, and your joy is a constant friend. But the way we live is hell is our constant companion, and joy show up every now and again. That's because we have not learned how to police control under ourselves. If we're going to be his disciples, elevating in his glory, making a distinction between regular churchgoers and those that are seeking the Lord to advance his purpose and his cause, then we're going to have to have a different appetite for how we resolve our issues. And we're going to have to follow the pattern. Christ went up into the mountain, left way before daylight, and he went by himself. By himself. Because you can't hear God in the crowd. Not for your personal direction, not for your personal elevation, not for your personal step. When God is trying to bless you and take you to the next level, he always does it in privacy. Because, baby, real kids are conceived with intimacy, just me and you. Ah. So if you're going to conceive something from God, you're going to have to learn to get along with him because true worship is intimacy. And unless you have intimacy, you don't have any worship. And a lot of you are trying to get God's eternal promise for your life, but you're trying to get it, amen, while you still got your clothes on. You got to come nude. You got to come naked. You got to come available. You got to come raw and say, God, feed me. Give me what it is I need and give it to me outside of what man is saying. Oh. Jesus went up in that mountain. He went by himself way before daylight. He didn't give anybody no notes, no information on how or where to find him. But yet Peter found him. Oh. And Peter found him in the high place. The Bible said that Peter and the disciples found him. Peter, James, and John, how did they find him? Because they wanted to know where their, not just their teacher, they respected the principle. They respected the anointing that God had put in their life. They respected the vessel God put in their life. And so what they were after was this. Watch me, people. He, they, they, they wanted to know not where my leader was, not where my preacher was. They wanted to know where my voice was. Uh-huh. Yeah. They don't need him to be their flesh. They don't need him to solve their appetites. 
Matter of fact, when they got hungry, the disciples themselves went out and bought food. So they don't need him to pay their bills. Remember, they owned their own fishermen enterprises. When Jesus had a need, Jesus used their boats. When Jesus had a need, Jesus had to pull on their resources. Jesus had to pull on them. So they didn't need Jesus for that kind of stuff. Oh, but when they was looking for where to go and find the Passover, they understood they had a voice that was leading them in to finish work and to finish things. They had a voice. And when you're going up in the glory, you're going up in the glory because something that is above you is going up. And when it is going up, you know it's going up because now God starts talking to you differently now about your preacher. You know you're going up when you hear God speaking to you about your man of God because the glory came over Jesus, but also there was a light that came out of him and it changed his very clothing. And the disciples saw it, and they heard God for themselves. Wait a minute, because these are unregenerated disciples. These are disciples that are not born again because Jesus has not yet died and sent back the Holy Ghost that regenerates our spirit and makes us new. But yet these unregenerated, unborn-again disciples. Yeah. Oh, man. When you're walking in a real season with God, God can talk for man. He talks to sins. He, a sinful-natured man, heard him. Which means that the voice of God is not isolated Amen. to the snooty and those that use the house of God as a haven for the haughty, a palace for the proud, a seat for the elite. No, baby. He talked to disciples that wasn't even born again. Yeah. And not only did he let them hear him, but he brought them into his glory. Hallelujah. Oh, man. <laughs> because I understand that we have cut this thing down and we've made it for the pristine, clean, but trust and believe. God talked to Samuel at a time that he didn't even know the Lord. The Bible says he was a youth and he Amen. did not know the Lord. And so hold on, you Bible scholars. Hold on, you stuck up. Hold on. Hold on, because as much as you think you are, until you can hear the voice of God in the middle of a crisis and obey it. I don't want to hear it. Until you stop acting out of your flesh, until you stop responding out of your emotions, until you stop letting your head and your mind over all of your decisions, I don't want to hear it. Don't give me Matthew. Don't give me Mark. They may be good guys. They may be qualified even. But, honey, give me the three that can hear him. Because when I'm going through, I don't need no advice from somebody to tell me what they think. I want to hear from somebody that can touch heaven. Hallelujah. But it's not good enough for them to be able to release a word to me if I can't hear the word that's released. Trust and believe. You pastor people. People come to church, but everybody in the church can't hear what you're saying. Because, honey, what happens is there's a cycle and a term, 
And so your man of God goes in cycles and he goes in turns. And God, what he's doing is your voice, your word, it's really your voice, it's really your word. I, if I'm your pastor, I'm really just your servant. I'm your servant. And so God uses me so he can get something to you. And the best way to get something to you is to get, to get it to me. And to get it to me, he got to, go, he got to, he got to get me. And sometimes he puts me in places, allows me to be in situations that are unlikely and very hot. Time that's the best way to get a word to you is in the middle of the flame. Can't hear the word until you're in the middle of the furnace. Sometimes you can't hear it. Wow. And then it's at that point that you realize that I'm in this mess, not just because of me, but God got me here because he's trying to get me to get something to somebody so that somebody will know that he is a deliverer. Yes. He is a healer. He is, a, he is victory. So God will allow your stuff to go on public display. Oh, man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This transfiguration was a public display. They saw their leader change, and his change got them closer to God. You go higher. You go higher. And trust me, baby, the air up here is different than the air down there. See, there's a stage in ministry that you got to feed with milk. But when you go higher, you got to start throwing some meat. Because your children's diet have changed now. How is it that their diet changed? Because they're starting to hear God. The disciples heard the voice. They heard the voice. And when they opened their eyes, which means they heard the voice when they were out of their cognitive processing. They heard the voice when they got finally learned how to live this Christian walk outside of their consciousness. They heard the voice. After they heard the voice, they woke up out of their sleep and opened their eyes. You hear voices. You hear voices that are out of this world. And it is the Lord your God that now I may bring you a heavy revelation that you've never, ever heard before in your life. But because you are elevating and growing in the sensitivity, because God is circumcising your ear now, you may not be able to understand the teaching letter by letter or the methodology of how I may present it, but you show catching that word. So it's being taught and caught. God is giving you as you're catching it your own, your own personal revelation to you specifically. And so some of you are not only writing the scripture, but you're writing down the note, and then you're writing down personal applications, and then you're running to your journal, and then you got to make yourself stop writing. Because God is talking to you because he's changing you in his glory. <laughs> he's changing you in his glory. He's changing you, transfiguring you. 
And you want to know why he's drawing you close to him? And he's not taking you through all the qualifying patterns that we put people through in life, church, and ministry. Well, honey, you don't even have this. And, honey, you ain't even did that. You don't even have your ordination papers. And you don't know that. Honey, get out of here. Because I know a whole bunch of folks with a whole bunch of papers that can't hear God. And trust me, preaching a sermon is not a word. I said it. A sermon ain't a word. Right. Jesus said, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have life. But they are they which speak of me. Now, who was Jesus? Jesus was the word. He was the living word. And he said, those yeah. scriptures you are reading, they are they which speak of me. And until you come to me, you can't even receive the stuff that you're reading. Because that thing you're reading is the word of God. And the word of God is quick. It is alive. It is spirit. And if you're going to know God, you're going to have to know him by the spirit. And a lot of people, and trust me, and a lot of pastors are afraid to get intimate with God. And so they come in with this book knowledge. But they ain't got the power to break you out of your circumstances. They're coming with this, 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 this sermon, uh-uh, and they got a hoop and they got a holler, but cancer is still having its way in your life. <laughs> because you preaching, but you ain't got no word. And, but when you got the word, the word cuts. It cuts this way and it cuts that way. It'll cut and heal your flesh, but it'll cut and destroy that mess in your soul. The word will cut, power to reach in and deliver you. And so, therefore, you better find your man of God, especially when you're on the mission. See, as long as you ain't on the mission and you just want to be one of them pew saints or one of them folks that just sit on your couch and do nothing and watch soap operas all day, I ain't talking about you. Whatever you're doing, it is fine. It is obvious that you do not go to my church or my place of worship because you can't even feel comfortable sitting there because I'm going to motivate you to get your behind up and get in the game because God did not call you to sit on the sideline and watch somebody else score all the points. I am so tired of Christians that are accepting being on the outside and looking in while everybody else is going on and doing wonderful things and wonderful works in God, buying blocks, buying neighborhood, buying buildings, buying cars, buying stuff, and putting a flag on it and saying to God's glory, and you're okay struggling to pay your bills. I ain't talking to you. I don't have a message for you. And I say that with the, the politest way I can, in the most respectful way I can. I don't have, that's not my message. That is not the vision God gave me. We're trying to raise a congregation of reapers that when people hit the door, they're expecting the blessing. When they walk out into the street, they say, Lord, where's that? I know you got a blessing for me today because I know there's something out there that belongs to you that you want me to take over and put my name on it that declares your name in the earth, and therefore your kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. And I know that you take a delight in my prosperity. I know, Lord, that your word says that you wish above all things that I would prosper and be in good health as my soul prospers. You said, God, you had the blessing in mind for me. You said, Lord, that, that you eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what you have 
prepared for me. You got something already waiting on me. Your word said in Peter that there's an incorruptible, yeah. indefiled inheritance that is laid up for the saints, and I want my inheritance. Yeah. You said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So if yeah. the wealth is over there in the wicked's hand, I want the wealth just so I can get it out of the wicked hand so I can declare that the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures forever, and I ain't stressed no more about these bills. I ain't stressed about this stuff, this budget. I ain't stressed because I got the wealth of the wealth of the crooked place, as he said, I'll give you. He said, I'll give you the wealth of the crooked place. I'll give you the wealth from darkness. I will give you the stuff that the devil thought was his. I will bless you in such a way that I'll give you spoils that you can't pick up for three days because it's so much blessing. Yes, hallelujah. So if you ain't there, I know I ain't talking to you. If you are okay with the struggle, yeah, the struggle is real, but I'm tired of the struggle, baby. Amen. And this is why you press so hard to get up on top so you can get into that cloud and get into that glory, get into that high place. And now since you're in that high place, you're able to interpret the interpreter now. You're able to in- hear the word of God differently now. Now, people don't get arrogant and start acting crazy now and start coming to church and acting like you hear Pastor Moore or differently than everybody else because me and Pastor, you know, we got a special connection in the spirit. God put our antennas together, and we're like Mork and Mindy, Mork and Mindy, Nanu, Nanu, you know, and I get him and he get me. No, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> because trust and believe. If that's your attitude, you ain't getting me still. <laughs> because again, if you get me and you understand the fire that has been around me, then you at least should be feeling the heat. And if you don't feel the heat, we we I'm not talking to you. Because folk that are walking, see, the Bible talks about um, calling us a special people, a special generation, a chosen generation. He says we are a peculiar people. That word peculiar, that special generation, is the word ecclesiastes that is used for the church. There's another word, ecclesia, that speaks of the overall gathering of the saints, but then there's the ecclesiastes, that special people within the church. Three was on the mission. Mm-hmm. And still, those three, out of, as much as they walk with the Lord, still didn't have what Paul had, and Paul never walked with the Lord. Paul had a dedicated and sold-out life, convicted, walking in the Spirit day in and day out. And for him, he lived, and for him, he was willing to die. Paul was Paul was no joke. See, y'all got Paul wrong. You done heard some preacher talk about, I may not be able to preach like Paul. Matter of fact, I don't think that Paul could actually preach at all because Paul would mix you up in the middle of a message. Paul's the only preacher I know that can start off in one chapter talking about one thing, and by the time you get to the end of that chapter, he can talk about five different subjects totally different from one another, only to bring it all back around and say, I'm not talking about none of this stuff, but I'm talking about the mystery of the church. And so if you're going to get Paul's writing, you got to get it by revelation because Paul's talking about, you know, who we are in Christ now, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to operate and walk in this dominion and this power. 
Paul. Paul. Paul said, I'll write it. You preachers, y'all preach it. See, Paul was such a bad preacher that one time Paul was preaching, and that man fell out of that, fell out of that window of Eurydice. Now, you know that you are a sorry preacher when somebody falls asleep on your message to the point that they fall out a window and break their neck and die. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> you, you, you know you bad. If you don't preach the message and that somebody that fell asleep, fell out the window and died. Paul said, yeah, I might have been born and all over the place and couldn't keep my theme and all that other stuff. And yeah, dude, might have fell out the window and died. But trust and believe, I was anointed enough that when he went down there, he laid his hands on him. He resurrected that man's life. I'm not, I don't want you preacher to entertain me no more. Talking to disciples that saying, I don't want the entertainment no more. I had all the entertainment. That's how I got in this mess. I went to the Sunday morning matinee for the last 40, 50, 60 years of my life. And I'm just now finding out the word of God is real. I'm just now finding out that the word of God is movable. I'm just finding out that the Holy Spirit goes other places besides choir rehearsal. I'm just now finding out that I got authority everywhere I go. I got power. So I've been to the matinee. I've been to the to the to the Sunday morning show. I've been to them. I've been in that stuff. I don't need that no more. If dude is interesting, fine. But honey, more than entertainment, give me a word. And if you give me a word, that word comes with the anointing. That word comes with grace. That word comes with love. And that word comes with power. I don't need you to tickle my fans anymore. I don't need you to massage my neck anymore, especially when I got these yokes, especially when I got these burdens, especially when I got these enemies and I got these devils after me. I don't need entertainment and so if that's what you got for me, brother, pews and snot, throw handkerchiefs, but yet and still, everybody and everything still around me is dying, okay, something is wrong with this here picture. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. I told y'all, they will not, that's why, that's why we got to build this nation. So, because again, they not going to like me. Mm. <laughs> But we got to tell the truth in season and out of season. Amen. People are tired of the show. Yeah. Amen. I get it. You can sweat. I get it. You got a nice suit. I get it. I get it. I get it. But my soul is thirsty. Can a sister get a word? Yeah. Nobody want to hear that when you when you got one of your closest family members going through ICU. Right. You want to hear that when your eight year old has been kidnapped and taken away and nobody knows where they're at and you're frantic and panicking. Nobody wants to hear that when your little boy 
has been brutally beaten by step parent and just molested and, and ran through, they don't want to hear that God will make a way somehow. <laughs> I'm telling you they don't want to hear that. Matter of fact, if you, you, you might get punched telling them something like that. They want to preach it. Is there word from the Lord? Is there word from the Lord? I don't need your script. I need a word from the Lord. My child's on life support just got shot in the temple. I mean, you have to be crazy. You've seen what's going on in our world. I can't believe some of the preachers and stuff they're preaching. I can't believe that that is their approach to me. I cannot believe it. And they got audience of 500, 300, 400 people just looking at them. And 400 people are going into the slaughter and walking out of the slaughter. The reason that Hitler was able to kill them people and get them to walk into the gas chamber is because Hitler gave them people a little bit of lie every single day. Mm. To the point they believed the lie and they walked themselves into the gas chamber. That's right. That's what our Sunday morning services look like. Preachers are giving people a little bit of lie every single Sunday. Mm. A little bit of lie and don't even know they're lying. Their biggest message is sin. And if we really was to deal with sin, it'd be nothing to deal with. Because Jesus Christ has already eradicated sin. I know nobody's going to tell you that because we can't control you unless we call you sinners. But when he died on the cross and he ascended on that cloud, sat down on the heaven, he says, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for sin. The wages of sin was death. His death upon the cross paid for all of the sins of humanity. That's because he who knew no sin became sin for us. He became the sin for us so he can pay the penalty of the sin, which was death. That's why he had to die. And because he died with sin in his body, he had to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, but David sent the word prior to. David said, he will not allow my soul to lie in Hades. Mm-hmm. In other words, David knew he was unregenerated and he knew he would go to a holding place. But he saw prophetically that the Christ would come through that lineage of his and rescue his soul. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us that remain, we shall meet him in the air. Amen. Because he will not allow our souls to die. Amen. 
when he got up, said, it is finished. The payment for sin has been satisfied. The Bible says in Hebrews that Christ, he said, through the blood of bulls and goats. I was going to teach about the blood on tonight. But he was talking. He said about the. He said the blood of bulls and goats, the sprinkling of of of, of a heifer. <laughs> he said Moses took that blood and he sanctified the ministry articles in the tabernacle. And the moment that the blood hit those ministry artifacts in the tabernacle, those artifacts became holy artifacts now. And so it not it wasn't just a piece of furniture, but it was a holy piece of furniture now because the blood hit it. And before you could use it in the tabernacle, you had to hit, put blood on it. Now, once you put the blood on it in the Old Testament, uh, the blood qualified that artifact as distinguishable for usage of worship. And only within the tabernacle, what made it holy was that the blood hit it. There was no exterior or qualitative change on the outside except the blood hit it. Likewise for you. There is nothing different about you. You got the same skin tone. You still got the same voice pattern, still same kind of hair. You still know how to walk with a stroll. You still know how to do some of the things you did. But it's not that you, you're not those things that you once were because now the blood that hit your life has made a distinction between you and what you formerly had done. Now, it ain't that I was not that or could not do that. It's just that the blood has covered my life now. And so I am no longer what I was because I don't have what I used to have because the blood and it don't dwell in the same place, and the blood covers my iniquity. The blood covers my fault. The blood covers me. Yeah. And the blood allows God to see me as his son. Yeah. The blood. Yeah. And in his blood is forgiveness of sin. And the only way I cannot be forgiven is if I refuse the blood. And so as long as I allow the blood to my life, I am always forgiven. And that's information Satan don't want you to have so that he can beat you over your head and in your conscience. And that's why the Bible says as it relates to the blood, there was more than just an exterior or a qualitative change on the outside that needed to be satisfied. But Jesus knew that he was going to have to do more than just atone for your death atone for your relationship with God. He knew that he was going to have to redeem you, pay the price. But he knew that sin had more than just an accusation against you. The blood atonement covered you so that Satan couldn't accuse you. But redemption does more than atonement. Because through the redemptive work of Christ, it goes on the inside of you, and it begins to renew you in places that you didn't even know you needed to be renewed. The Bible says that that there's an effect of sin, and the diabolical effect of sin is condemnation and guilt. I don't know why I am sharing this at this point right now. But for whoever this is, I hope you are eating it up and you are interpreting the voice that God is sending your way tonight. The diabolical effect of sin is condemnation and guilt. Guilt. Guilt lies in the conscience. The scripture says that you can have a weak conscience. Another place says that you can have a defiled conscience in, in, in Titus. 
It also says you can have a poor conscience. The Bible says that you can have an evil conscience. He said many, uh, he said that God is going to uh, speed up the time because the very elect will be deceived. They will be deceived because they will be deceived by seducing because they have a weak conscience. Your conscience tells me whether or not how much you give in to seductive devils and demons. And I'm not talking sexually. I am talking about seducing spirits now that pull you out of what God is trying to put you in, take you outside, take you away. Seducing spirits. And seducing spirits operate upon weak-minded people. How did it get in? Because you were weak-minded. Your mind ain't as strong as you think you are. The Bible says that uh, the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of the stronghold. It pulls down the stronghold to everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Your weapon of warfare is to pull down the stronghold, watch me here, that exalts itself above the knowledge. It just goes above or tries to go above the knowledge of God. Now, the worst thing is, not to have the knowledge of God of key areas in your life, such as your finances, such as your health, such as your peace, such as your sanctification. You need to have that knowledge because if you don't know that or have that knowledge, and especially about your salvation, when the devil starts working on your conscience, you'll start going, well, am I saved or am I not saved? Because I did do this. I did do that. And so now you have made yourself a sinner based upon your deeds. But let me help you and fix you, correct you, and resolve you all at the same time. You are not a sinner because of your deed. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we are the children of wrath by nature. It is in our nature to sin. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law already. He has sanctified us wholly and taken our transgression and our sins and threw them as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers them no more. Watch what he says. He remembers them no more. So he has forgotten or he don't remember what we can't forget. Amen. And the reason we can't forget what he don't remember is because we haven't allowed the blood to go into operation on our conscience. And so somebody is still living the guilt of an abortion they had 20 years ago. And it could have been multiple abortions. And you are living this life of guilt, shame, and condemnation because you haven't released yourself. And so every time something goes wrong in your body, you keep telling yourself that God is getting me Based upon my sin. But, honey, you didn't even know that you were in sin. And even worse, you didn't know that you were not held captive to sin, especially once you named the name of Christ, he eradicated your sin. And because the Bible says, he that is born of God sinneth not. 
Not that he don't sin, it's just that because he is born again of God, he cannot sin. Because whatever he does, the blood has already redeemed him. And so it is not God getting you, it is your conscience getting you, because the wages or the payment for sin is death, and your payment for your sin has been paid. And Hebrews said he paid it once, and he paid it for all. Yes. And the reason he paid it once and for all, because he said when you sin that the priest would offer up a sacrifice for your sin yearly, and that yearly sacrifice was a reminder to your conscience that if he got to keep doing it every year, then my sin must not be taken care of because he got to keep going back. Right. See, you got to keep going back every Sunday hoping you get a word. I don't need a priest playing with my sacrifices. I need somebody that's walking under the Shekinah glory that can tell me, beloved, thy sins are forgiven you. Because whomever sins you retain, they'll be retained, Pastor. And whoever sins you will remit, they they will be remitted. Because God talked to disciples who was full of sin. Because they was with the bridegroom. He, the Lamb of God, had already been slain. So their payment for sin was already paid in full. And when you get out of your guilty conscience, your shame, your mind, your head, you'll get up here on this mountain so you can get in this glory. So you start hearing on the level with the rest of us crazy folks. Yeah, we believers. We got angels on our side. We hear voices in our head. We different. We strange. Trust me, the water's fine over here. Get on up here with these strange folks. Get you some of this. Change you in his glory. Jesus went up to the mountain, led particular disciples, not the whole church. Because you can't lead somebody somewhere they're not following. He led them. Because they were following. They were committed. They were connected. They were concerned. They were caring. Damn, this just wasn't, that was a voice for them. God was using that vessel to speak to me. And they caught it. They caught it. The sad part about it, it was only three out of twelve. It's only three out of twelve. Oh yeah, my daddy. They talking about God. My daddy, my father, my this, my that. Oh, but when they had to show the father, when it was time to show, show, show love, when it was time to actually be forgiven, when it was time to actually be a Christian, you know them same folk couldn't do that. 
because they had a cerebral relationship with God. But if you're going to have this hearing relationship, if you're going to be a part of that ecclesiastical, if you're going to be a part of that peculiar generation, if you're going to be part of that disciple group that get on the ship and go across to the other side to the fish, you're going to have to get up on this mountain, which means you're going to have to come up now. Mm-hmm. got to get up now. It's time to come on up. It's time to come on up. No, you can't hear it because you're too far down there. And the little you are hearing is just enough to keep you alive down there. But, honey, as you keep coming up, it'll keep pulling you up. You seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then these things will be added to you because you're, you're pressing towards the mark, which is the high calling, and therefore he's offering to you a prize. Because you've learned how to forget those things which are behind you because you allow the blood to wash your conscience clean. And therefore, you understand you don't get what you deserve. You get what you qualify for. That's right. And if you abide in me and I abide in you, speaking, he says you will ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. In other words, if you join in with me and connect with me and stick with it, he says you will ask what you will because you understand we connected in such a way that there will never be no separation between me and God. Amen. Through hell or high water, through pestilence, famine, through, through, through persecution, I'm staying with him. How you know you're going to stay with him? Because when my Savior got lost, I went looking for him. I went looking for him. And I said, God, where is he? Because he didn't leave me no notes. He didn't leave me no direction where he was going to be at. You know, sometimes I can get on people's nerves because they don't really know. They know I'm up to something. They just don't really know what I'm up to. And it becomes so confusing to them because they know you're up to something, but you won't show them what you're up to. And predominantly, by the time you show them what you're up to, you know, it's kind of just thrown on them because Jesus went up to that mountain by himself, didn't tell the disciples nothing, and they finally got to where he was. And he never addressed their questions or concerns. They said, where would you go? Everybody was looking for you. And Jesus said, let's go into the next town, for there also am I called to preach. But that ain't what I asked you, man. Everybody was looking for you. He never answered them. Where did Peter and them make the statement at? They made the statement on top of the mountain in the high place. He said, yeah, they're looking for me, but they're looking for me in the wrong places. They're on the lowland. We're on the higher dimension now. And so there's a circumcision, but then there's a line of demarcation that distinguishes because when God elevates you, there's some people just, just not allowed into this space or this air up here. That's why when it came to the priest and it came to the ironic, uh, uh, he said that your son shall serve beyond the veil. But any foreigner or anybody that's not uh, of the ironic order, he says they come past this point, they will die. Because everybody ain't permitted up here. And you got you to gotta go through that stage and learn and mature. You got to grow. That's why you go from milk to meat. 
not just open your mouth and start eating meat with your gums. No, you got to grow. And as long as you're growing, then God is receiving you as the matured. Not once you get to a certain level he calls you mature. He calls you mature as you are committed to keep growing and going because God looks up on the heart and not on the flesh. And so we got these astute and highly stuck-up people that think they didn't got somewhere in God because they know a little more scripture than somebody else knows, but that don't mean that you are mature. And the worst thing you can do is act and believe that you mature in God because you're older than somebody else. Because you can be old, but you can be an old, educated fool. You can be old, but don't mean you know. Mm-hmm. There used to be people used to, uh, they would try me. They would be my seniors. And because they were my seniors, they thought they knew something. No, you you don't know the air up here. Don't let this age fool you. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. There's a little more than what you think in, 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 in this, this this guy. Now, I would give them respect. I would give them respect, but I wasn't going to dismiss those things and that revelation that God gave me that I died for. Some of this stuff I got in the crucibles of death. Man, it, 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 it didn't come when it felt good, when you really had to seek the Lord. You understand me? And the now, disciples, it's time to get up to the next level. They said, look, our our voice, we got to find where that voice is. And it is obvious that he has left the area. And I want to be where that voice is because where that voice is is where God is. And I don't want to be on the wrong page. I want to be on the right page. Where are you, Father? See, the Bible talks about the 12 tribes. But there was one called Issachar, and those are the ones that saw, that saw the times and that knew the times and the seasons. Judah was praised, but Issachar knew the times and the seasons. And you got to have somebody that knows the times and the seasons, or you will be in a season and don't know how to function in that season because you don't have nobody that's interpreting the word. That yeah. preaching sermons, yeah, but honey, man does not live by bread alone. Yeah. He lives by the proceeding word. That word proceeding is the word rhema, the revealed word, not just the written word. He lives by the revealed word. And now some of you have come up to this level where you are receiving a revealed word to yourself now. And you're getting messed up because trust me, you're trying to run back to them places and hear these little messages and it ain't working for you no more. I'm trying to tell you what's going on. The manna has ceased. And God ain't feeding you like that no more. It's a change in your diet. Starting to hear voices out of clouds. And you trying to go down there and, and receive that little Sunday school lesson. That ain't making no now never mind sense to you. A word that was, you understand what I'm saying to you? God is talking to you now. Talking to you. Talking to you. Changing in his glory. Anybody receive anything out of the word of God tonight? Anything that you receive from the Lord tonight? God bless you. God bless you. Father, I thank you and I give you praise. And I give you glory because you're an awesome God, yes. But thank you for your word that is true. I pray, Father, that something that was said tonight 
that came through the inspiration of your spirit minister to somebody in such a way, Father, that it changes them in the glory, that their life is being transfigured for the better. I thank you, Father, for your presence amongst us all. I thank you for the anointing that you've given each and every one of us. And then I thank you, Lord, for the corporate anointing. Let that anointing do what you said it would do, break and destroy yokes now. Go before us. Be our holy eye in our vision. Angels of the Lord encamp round about us. Ministering angels minister to us. Feed us in the name of Jesus. Warring angels war for us. Keeping angels guard us. Reaping angels reap in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, Lord, over everything we do, be our voice, be our ear, be our sensitivity, our discernment in the name of Jesus. Bring forth wisdom. Bring forth your righteousness, your justification, Father, your love, your peace, and your kindness. Father, provide for every household that is spoken of tonight. Rebuke sickness off of every household. Let your joy, which is our strength, be evident and known. In the name of Jesus, bring us back at the appointed hour and time that we may hear your voice so clear, that we may feel you so near, and we can love you so dear. We bless you in the name of Jesus. May God bless your heart and all your parts of those that believe him for the best. Know that you are rich and abundantly supplied with money and what money cannot buy. You are the best. You are the best. You are the best. Go get your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. Good night. Amen. Amen. Honey, where'd you get the projector? Work. See, we've got to look at 12 car sites to find our new car. Well, I just went to Capital One's Auto Navigator site and found our perfect car. It's three miles away. What about financing? Already done. We're pre-qualified and can see our rate and monthly payment all without affecting our credit score.